Okay, Brother David here with a studio recording of our Sunday School lesson from December the 11th, covering Colossians chapter 3 and verses 18 through 21, was dealing with a, some type of respiratory infection, sinus infection, and had very little voice that date, and so the recording uh, quality was somewhat pathetic. We're going to come back and give this another shot. Important verses in uh, Colossians chapter 3 with verses 11 through 15, uh, we covered some instructions the Lord gives us for relationships between brothers and sisters in Christ. We entitled that the keys to Christian fellowship. Then verses 18 through 21, what we have are some instructions for the relationships within the walls of our home. Our title for this section is biblical order for the home. The home is an institution designed and created by Almighty God. And he, he ordered the home the way that he did for his glory and for our blessing and our benefit. Since God is the original designer and creator, it just follows logically. It just makes sense that he knows the very best way for our homes to work. It's the same in every aspect of life. And when we humbly submit ourselves to the order prescribed in the Word of God for the home, the home is far better off. As a whole, society is far better off when we order our homes according to the pattern established by the one who established the home. And we're grateful that he gives these instructions to us in his word. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 through 21, there are four uh, specific groups that are addressed. Wives, first of all, verse 18. Husbands, secondly, verse 19. Children, verse number 20. Parents, in particular fathers, in verse 21, and we want to uh, briefly cover each of those roles within the home in this lesson. Now, uh, these lessons are directed specifically to uh, our teenage uh, class here, to young people, and there are, uh, well, the vast majority of them, in fact, all of them are uh, children, none of them yet husbands or wives or parents. But these are important verses, important principles, important concepts in God's Word to study even, even as a young person because there's a very real possibility. I would say there's even a, a hopeful expectation that one day those who are teenagers will become husbands, wives, parents. With with very rare exception, it's what God intends for you in your future. And the Bible does say, with God, all things are possible. So we don't shy away from addressing these verses, these matters, these instructions uh, when we're teaching young people because young people need to be focused on preparing themselves for what God has in store for 
their future. And if you're a young person listening to to this lesson, I would encourage you to listen attentively to any preaching that you hear in your church or that you come across on the topics of marriage, on the topic of parenting, on the on issues relating the home and 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 beyond listening attentively and and making mental notes of what you hear i would also encourage you to be observant to watch husbands interact with wives and wives interact with husbands to to attentively observe parents in your church and and how they discipline and how they train and how they instruct their children. I, I would encourage you to take note of things they do and they don't do and things that are effective and that aren't effective. And, and why? Not so you can be critical and not so you can say, well, I'm going to do it better than they are, but so that you can learn everything you can to prepare yourself as best you can for the day that you step into those roles. Because honestly, you know this to be true if you've lived very long at all on the earth, especially if you've been in ministry. There is nothing better in this life on the earth than a good home and a good marriage. And there is nothing worse on the earth in this life than a bad marriage and a bad home life. And young person, uh, if, if, if you will learn what God says in his word, and if you will commit yourself to what God says in his word, you can set yourself up for a lifetime, Joshua 1.8 says, of good success. If you will pray with the psalmist in Psalm 119.133, order my steps in thy word. If, if, you will, if you will establish God's order in your home one day, if you will prepare yourself to do that, you will be so far down the road. You will be so thankful that you did. So as we approach these verses, let's do so with a a serious attitude, and let's ask God's blessing on the time we spend in His Word. Lord, thank you for the Bible and its instruction. And Lord, I pray that uh, all those who hear these words will uh, take them seriously and take heed to uh, the pattern that uh, you've established and that you've communicated to us in the Holy Bible. Thank you for it. Thank you for your design and order uh, for the home and for marriage and for uh, and for parents and children, uh, God help us, please, uh, to learn what we need to learn and, and make uh, application in our lives. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we even look at Colossians chapter 3, let me give you one cross-reference. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse number 4. There's a phrase here. We'll lift out of its context to make application, but we won't violate uh, the context or the teaching of the passage, 1 Timothy 5, 4, is in the context of what widows qualify for the support of the local church, uh, what widows are going to be cared for by the congregation. And verse number 4 establishes the first principle, but if any widow have children or nephews, let them learn first to show piety at home and to requite their parents, for that is good and acceptable before God. Here's the first rule. Um, if the widow has children, it is not the church's responsibility to take care of the widow. It's the children's responsibility to take care of the widow. We'll not go any further with that principle, but the phrase in the verse that we want to take note of is that uh, they ought to learn first to show piety at home. And it's an important point to be reminded of 
that you and I are not the Christians we are when we go to church. We are the Christians that we are when we are at home. Young person, uh, you're not, uh, the, the, the test of your spirituality is not your appearance or your demeanor or your attitude or your actions. Uh, when you're with church people on Sunday, it's when you're with your people, your parents and your siblings throughout the week. Mom, dad, we, we all put on our best face when we go to church. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't behave ourselves in the house of God. I'm just saying we ought to behave ourselves at home as well. And so in light of this, that, that, that who we are at home is the real us. It's, it, it's the us that God knows. And God places a great deal of importance, I would say primary importance, on those home relationships. Because you cannot have a strong church if you do not have strong homes. You cannot have a strong society if you do not have strong homes. God ordered the home before he instituted human government, before he instituted his church before he called out Abraham and 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 chose a particular nation through whom he'd send his son in the world. This is the first institution that God established on the earth, and God has some very clear expectations. And again, those expectations and those instructions, those commandments are given so that we could be blessed and so that God can be honored and glorified. Colossians three. Verse number 18, each of these uh, instructions can be summarized in one word. For wives, the word is this, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Wives, submit. That That's not what an independent Baptist preacher made up. This is, uh, this, this is not male chauvinist. Uh, philosophy and doctrine. This is just Bible reading, Bible study. God, who instituted the home, said in the home there's to be a husband and there's a there's to be a wife, and the wife is to take the place of submission. In order for this to work properly, in order for this to fulfill the purpose that God intends, the wife is supposed to submit. The cross-reference in Ephesians 5, verse number 22 says this, Ephesians 5, verse 22, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. The husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in every thing. I'm going to read to you at Webster's 1828 Dictionary Definition for Submit. To submit is to let down, to cause, to sink, or to lower. To submit is to yield, to resign, or surrender the power, will, or authority of another. To submit is to refer, to leave, or to commit to the discretion or judgment of another. Now, let me be very clear what submission does not mean. It doesn't mean what people say that it means. It means what the word means, and, and the Bible makes it very clear. Here, here's what it doesn't mean. Submission does not mean that a wife is not allowed to have an opinion. 
Submission does not mean that a wife is not allowed to voice the opinion that she has. Submission does not mean that in a marriage relationship, a wife is not to participate in decision-making. Submission does not mean that the wife is stupid. Submission does not mean that the wife is less spiritual. Submission does not mean that the wife is less capable. Submission does not mean in any way that the wife is inferior to the husband. Understand that. Make sure you clearly understand that. Here's why I know that's true. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 3. Ephesians 5 said, The wife is to submit to the husband just like the church is to submit to Christ. 1 Corinthians 11 gives us another illustration of the relationship. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 3, But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. The illustration for the husband-wife relationship is the father-son relationship of the Godhead. The husband's the head of the wife. God is the head of Christ. Let me ask you a question. Bible-believing Christian friend, is Christ the Son inferior to God the Father? Absolutely not. God was manifest in the flesh. Christ is God. I and the Father are one. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Philippians 2, verse 6. Christ is not inferior, but what did he do? He took a lower position. He he voluntarily, willingly submitted himself. He took a different role, a different position. He did so as an act of his will. He did so with humility. He did so in order for God's purposes to be accomplished on the earth. He was not inferior to the Father, but he said, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. He said, I am come to do my Father's will. He said, In the garden, the night of his crucifixion, Not my will, but thine be done. So submission, here's what it is. It is voluntary. Submission is a choice. Submission is an attitude. Submission is a yielding. Submission is an acceptance of of a God-given place and role, submission ultimately is a matter of obedience to God. And wives, your role in the home is to submit. It is to allow the man to take his God-given role, the husband to, to assume the responsibility for leadership, to have the final say in the decisions, because ultimately, he's the one accountable. He's the one responsible before God. Listen, I didn't make this up. My pastor didn't make this up. Paul the Apostle didn't make this up. God wrote it down in the Holy Bible because he loves you. And this is the way that homes work, and this is the way that society is blessed. God established this order. Did you notice the wording in Colossians 3? As it is fit in the Lord. In Ephesians 5, as unto the Lord. Wives, submit. Moving on, verse 19. Husbands, here's your word, love. Guys, you're going to be a husband one day. Here's what you need to focus on. Here's what you need to do. Here's what's going to make your home a happy place. Here's what's going to make your marriage a blessed relationship. Husbands, focus on this. Love your wives 
and be not bitter against them. This is interesting. In the Bible, the older women are commanded to teach the younger women to love their husbands. That's Titus 2, verse 4. But there are multiple places that husbands are instructed and commanded by God to love their wives. Once for the wives, older women teach younger women to love their husbands. Many times, husbands love your wives. Why is it emphasized for husbands? Why is it repeated over and over uh, this instruction, love, directed toward the husbands. A couple possibilities. It might be because it's more natural for a wife to love her husband than maybe for a husband to at least express or show or properly communicate his love for his wife. It also might be because it makes the wife's job a lot easier when the husband does his job. It, it, it is very fair to acknowledge that it is easier to submit to a husband who, it is easier for a wife to submit to a husband who loves her. Now, a husband's failure to love his wife the way that he ought to does not excuse the wife's failure to submit to him any more than the wife's failure to submit to her husband excuses the husband's refusal to love his wife. Any marriage counseling I've been a part of, unfortunately, is just a lot of finger-pointing back and forth on, on how the other won't do what God told them to do, and that's why I'm not doing what God told me to do. But here's what I would say. Here's what I would say, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but I want to say this. We love God because he first loved us. God initiates the relationship. It was God's love that drew us to him and put us in right relationship with him. Husband, you're the head of the home. Husband, husband, your, your wife's supposed to submit. That is, you're the leader. You know what that means? It doesn't just mean that you get your way all the time. You can make it mean that if you want to, but, but if you want a happy home, here's what you do. Love your wife. Meaning if there are problems in the relationship, Every, every relationship with problems that, that I've tried to assist and help and be a blessing to, uh, there was blame on both sides. But husband, listen to me, husband, primarily your responsibility, your love is what's going to make her submission easier. I believe, I'm, I believe I'm with the Bible on this. We love him because he first loved us. Husband, if you're the leader, you're responsible. You're accountable. Your love powerful and important. Husbands, love your wives. Now, God set this bar way up high. In Ephesians chapter 5, the same passage that tells the wife to submit tells the husband this. Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives. How? Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Guys, you want to be married one day? Go for it. Marriage is is a blessing. God designed it. He did it perfectly. But you want it to be the blessing that God intends for it to be? Here's the way you need to learn to love your wife like Christ loved the church. Verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it be holy and without blame. You know, here's Christ's example. Not, not only did 
that he laid down his life for the church. He laid down his life for us. His was a self-sacrificing love. His, his love was also a purifying love. Christ's love for his church has a purifying influence, a sanctifying influence on his bride. His love makes us better. Again, again, he's the initiator. Husband, that's your example. Your love. One day you get a wife, your love ought to make her better. She, she ought to be a better Christian because she's married to you. That's the kind of environment that your love is supposed to create in her life. That's a high calling. That's something that we need to learn about. That's something that we need to uh, be filled with the Spirit so that we can exemplify in our lives. Colossians 3.19, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. This is interesting. Be not bitter against them. We often think of bitterness in the sense of resentment. And it would be bad. It would be wrong for a husband to be resentful toward his wife. Don't do that. There's place in this passage, in this verse, for a little bit different definition of the word bitter. Here's how it's defined, 1828 Dictionary. Bitter means sharp or biting to the taste, acrid like wormwood. Bitter means sharp, cruel, severe. It means sharp as words, reproachful or sarcastic. It means sharp to the feeling, piercing, painful, Something that makes too smart. Now, that doesn't mean wisdom. That means pain. Wow, that really smarts. That's something bitter. Painful to mind. Poignant, afflicted, distressed, hurtful, sinful, mournful, distressing. Expresses of, uh, of misery. Be not bitter. Now, it doesn't say be not bitter toward them. Be not bitter against them. Be not bitter against them. Don't be sharp. Don't be cruel. Don't be piercing. Don't be painful. Don't be hurtful. Let me show you a comparison in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 31 and verse number 10. It's legal to read this verse even though it's not Mother's Day. Proverbs 31 verse number 10. Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies. You know what? A, a good godly woman uh, that a husband can safely trust in, that does him good and not evil all the days of her life, that works hard and, and raises children and, 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 and takes care of others and has a law of kindness. That kind of woman, her price is far above rubies. Invaluable. Cannot put a price tag on a virtuous woman. Who can find one? Praise God I did. And you need to pray to God that you will. Who can find a virtuous woman? Her price is far above rubies. Now, Proverbs 18, verse 22 says this, Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. The poor, right after that verse about finding a wife, about finding a virtuous woman who, whose price is, is far above rubies, invaluable. A man who has a virtuous woman for his wife is a very rich man. And he needs to remember that. Verse 23 Proverbs 18, the poor useth entreaties, but the rich answereth roughly. The rich answereth roughly. 
Here's what husbands need to be careful about. They need to love their wives and be not bitter against them. Uh, You have a virtuous woman. You're a very rich man. But be careful of the tendency to answer her roughly. To not treat her like the treasure that she is. Now, let me back up. We're addressing right now young people who aren't husbands and wives yet, but will be one day. And um, hopefully you are praying to God not only for his help in preparing yourself to be the right kind of husband, the right kind of wife, but for God's help in helping you find the one that you'll join your life to forever. And if you've got an idea and your, your, your prayers start to take on, God, let it be this person. Here's what you need to ask yourself about that person. Guys, you look at that girl. She's pretty. That's great. She's spiritual. That's great. Here's what you need to ask. Is she submissive to her dad? Because the way to make a home work is for the wife to be submissive and getting married doesn't automatically make a girl submissive. Do you understand? Girls, you you got your eye on a guy and he's smart and he's handsome and he's good looking and he makes a lot of money and he goes to church and reads his Bible. Look, those are all wonderful. Great. Here's what you need to ask. Is he loving toward his mother? How does he speak to her? How does he treat his sisters? Is he kind? Is he courteous to the other girls in the youth group? Because the way for a a marriage to be happy and, and the way for a home to be blessed is if a husband loves and doesn't act bitterly. And getting married ain't going to change that boy. He's going to be who he is towards you. Important questions. We've got two more groups to address quickly. Children in Colossians chapter 3, verse number 20. Colossians 3, 20. Children, obey your parents in all things. Man, the Lord did not leave any loopholes here. He didn't say if your parents are godly. He didn't say if you think the rules make sense. He didn't say if it's the same as everybody else's parents at church, if it's the same kind of rules and standards that that the other parents uh, put in place. No, he said, children, obey your parents in all things. Why? For this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Isn't that the goal of the Christian life? Isn't that the kind of Christian you want to be? One who pleases God? That's our purpose on this earth. So if you're a child... Here's what God said you can do to make your home a happy place. You want your home to be a happy place? Of course you do. You know, you have an influence on that. You have an effect on that. You have a part in that. Children, obey your parents in all things. How does the Bible define children? I would say the Bible defines children as someone who is living in their parents' home, sleeping under their roof, eating at their table what the government would call a dependent. If that's you, you count as a child. You might be 18, you might be 19, you might be 20. If your parents are taking care of you, you're a child. If you want to be out from under God, God's commandment to obey your parents in all things, here's what you do. You get your own home. You pay your own bills. You buy your own food and your own clothes and your own gas and your own insurance and your own car and your own cell phone and your own bill And then you can move from obeying to honoring your parents. But so long as you're in your parents' home, God said, God said, 
obey. And he'll be happy with that. That'll please him. And, and it'll make your home a happy place. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 1, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee. You know what, young person, whether you realize it or not, whether you want it or not, what you want, what you need is God's blessing on your life. Oh, you need it so bad to help you make decisions for the future, to help you make the right choices and the right decisions and find the right spouse. And 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 you really need God's blessing. And you're not going to have it if you're not obedient. You've got a bad attitude towards your mom and your dad. If you're not right with your parents and you're in their home, you're not right with God. Now, God understands your parents aren't perfect. Let me, let me clue you in. Your parents understand that they are not perfect. The God who told you to obey them in all things anticipated their imperfections. But listen, if you're trying to excuse your lack of obedience on their imperfections, then you're going to be the kind of person that's going to go into a marriage and you're going to excuse yourself for ignoring what God told you to do because your partner won't do to your satisfaction what God told them to do and you're just going to play the blame game and you're not going to have a happy home. Think about that. Okay? Stop making excuses. Just obey. Just have a good attitude. Just be pleasant. The Bible invalidates all the excuses we try to use. But what God's trying to get us to see is that he really does love us and know what's best. And by the way, it'd be pretty hypocritical to hold your parents to a standard that you don't want them holding you to. You get frustrated. Oh, it doesn't seem like I can't do anything right. Oh, I'm just not perfect. I don't live up to their standards. Well, what kind of standard are you holding them to? You know, Elijah, it was prophesied in Malachi chapter 4. He's going he's gonna to come, prepare the way for the Lord. This is second advent uh, context. But what, 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 what Elijah's going to do in his ministry is turn the hearts of the parents toward the children, hearts of the fathers, hearts of the children toward the fathers, hearts of the fathers toward the children. You know what? Uh, I want my youth ministry to take on the spirit of Elijah's ministry. Uh, youth ministry t- sometimes gets a, a bad rap, like it undermines the authority of the home. Not so if you do it by the Bible. Uh, I, I want to do everything I can to encourage our young people, any young people, the Bible tells you to have God's blessing on your life. Obey your parents. If Jesus could be subject to Mary and Joseph, Jesus, you know, the perfect son of God. Now, Mary and Joseph were great, but they were sinners. And Jesus submitted himself to them. Why? Because he always did what pleased God. You might you might try to make that comparison in your life. Yeah, well, I, I know how Jesus feels better than his parents. Well, it's probably not true, but if he could do it and he lives in you, he, he expects you to do the same thing. Children, obey. And then quickly to, to finish, Colossians 3, verse 21. Colossians 3, verse 21. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. What one word uh, will we use to sum this up? Well, the opposite of discourage is encourage. 
a couple points to make. First of all, child training, according to the Bible, is primarily the responsibility of the father. That is not to say that the mother's not involved. In fact, she's involved in a very big way. And guys, you better keep that in mind. When you try to find somebody to convince to marry you one day, you better ask yourself not only what kind of wife this girl's going to be, you better ask yourself what kind of mother she's going to make. Because she's going to spend more time with those kids than you are. And she's going to have a, a, a very big part in raising them. But, but that said, the Bible places the primary responsibility and accountability on the father. And in Colossians 3, the instruction is that the fathers are to be balanced in their training. You see, training is about more than just discipline and correction and chastisement. Now, that's a very important part, and the Bible says it has to start early, and it requires the parent to be self-disciplined and consistent, and that's why it's, it's, why it's often not successful, because the parents themselves lack discipline and consistency, but but training is more than just correction. Fathers, provoke not your children anger, lest they be discouraged. Training is also about this, Ephesians 4, or 6, 4, fathers, provoke not your children wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Training is teaching, training is instruction, training is nurture, training is bringing up. It's helping, it's supporting, it's encouraging. A husband's relationship to his wife, it's supposed to make the wife better. A father's relationship to his children is supposed to make those children better. Guys, you want to be a husband, you want to be a father, you need to start preparing yourself. It's going to take... It's going to take some spirituality. It's going to take some character. It's going to take some some self-sacrificing love. You've got to learn to put other people first. Now, come on. As a parent, you've got to make rules and expectations. And you've got to communicate rules and expectations. And you've got to enforce rules and expectations. But to be the kind of parent that the Bible says you ought to be, you need to learn to develop a relationship as well. Okay? Proverbs 23, 26, the Bible says, My son, give me thine heart. Give me thine heart. The, the, the best parent-child relationship is, is one where the parent has the child's heart. Now ask yourself, ask yourself this question. Who do you give your heart to? You don't give your heart to anybody you don't trust. You don't know, loves you, has your best interest at heart. And as a young person, you want your parents to trust you, but listen, you got to understand that trust has to be earned, but you need to keep that in mind as a parent as well. You, you want to have the heart of those kids, and you want to have the kind of relationship where your children can give you their heart. I, I read a book, and the author uh, referred to this as tying strings, tying strings, a close-knit relationship that you can use to point them in the right direction. So important. you got to prepare yourself for this. Now, close with this one thought. We have the perfect example for every role, every assignment, every task in the home. The perfect example is Jesus Christ. What is the wife instructed to do? To submit. To submit. 
Who's the ultimate example of submission? It's Christ. 1 Corinthians 11, 3. The husband, what's his primary role? What is he instructed, commanded to do? To love his wife. Who's the perfect example? It's Christ, Ephesians 5. The child, the child in the home, young person, you, what are you supposed to do? What was the most important thing God had to say to you? Obey your parents in all things, in all things. Who's your example? Christ. Christ. He was subject to Mary and Joseph. He, he did always those things. The Bible said it pleased his father. John 8, 29. And then encouragement, parents, for children. Christ in you, Hebrews 13, 20, 21. The great shepherd, he, he's in you to make you perfect, to, to help and encourage and enable and empower. He's the perfect example for whatever role, whatever station in life that you find yourself in. You'll get full of Christ and you'll become like Christ. Then you'll fulfill that role the way that God intends and you'll experience the results that God's Word brings. And that's what I want for you. That's what God wants for you. But we got to take His Word seriously and we got to follow His order, His instructions. Lord, we're so thankful that you recorded them for us. God, give us grace, wisdom, and commitment following your word. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.